Hello and welcome to 10 Minutes on Loss and Damage from the Joint Public Issues Team. I'm Hannah, a JPIT and Parliamentary Intern, and with me is Steve Hucklesby, Policy Advisor to the JPIT team. So today we're talking about loss and damage, and one of the big problems around this is there's very limited knowledge about what it actually is, and it's received far less public attention than net zero. So Steve, for anyone who doesn't know, what would you say that loss and damage is? Loss and damage is about creating a fund that enables people to recover from major climate climate incidents. So if we think back to 2017, for example, uh, people may remember um, Antigua and Barbuda, which got hit by Hurricane Irma. When that happened, 95% of residents' houses were damaged. 60% of people were made, made homeless uh, because their houses were uninhabitable. When you've got a disaster on that scale, then the capacity for the economy within um, that country to uh, repair the damage uh, for people to recover by themselves is just obviously simply not there. That's why you need some external support uh, to people um, so that they are able to uh, recover and get back to some sort of state of normal. Great, thank you. So some people might say surely the most important thing to do is to deal with stopping climate change at its causes. So why should we talk about loss and damage? Why should this be a focus? Well, we need to do both. Uh, We can't do just one or the other. If loss and damage is not a focus uh, in terms of funding, in terms of government's forward commitments, uh, then it just simply won't happen. People will know back in 2009 that pledges were made for $100 billion of climate finance. That climate finance, however, is to, for mitigation and for adaptation to um, put in place uh, the mechanisms that enables us to transition to a net zero economy. If we take a chunk of that out for uh, loss and damage, uh, which some governments are arguing we should do, Uh, then we lose the focus in both areas. Um, If we think back to uh, this summer, Pakistan and the floods there, uh, for example, that's um, wiped out uh, entire agricultural areas and it set vulnerable people back decades. But at the same time, Pakistan has a need to transition its energy mix 61% of it comes from fossil fuels. It's reducing that, but it needs investment to reduce that. So so many parts of our world world need both resourcing for mitigation, but also uh, to be able to have support to recover from the damage of climate disasters. Great, thank you. And what about why, as Christians, loss and damage should be something we want to focus on? Um, As Christians, we've passionately concerned um, about justice. Uh, In terms of climate change, it is the richest economies that have contributed most to the greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, which are now causing the problem and uh, causing uh, increasing instance of climate disasters uh, in various parts of our world. It seems unfair to say the least um, that those who have contributed most to the problem uh, are experiencing climate change but not quite to the disastrous and catastrophic levels that some of our poorest um, 
communities suffer elsewhere. So there's a very clear justice element there. It is only fair uh, that the historic polluters, are, uh, which tend to be the wealthier nations, are able to pay for the damage. Great, thank you. So lots of good reasons why loss and damage is something we should focus on, but what is the solution being proposed? Can you tell us a little bit about how this might work? The COP mechanisms are looking to create a loss and damage finance facility. Um, We already also have a means for using that um, finance, a mechanism called the Warsaw International Mechanisms. That was established in 2013 and it sets out how that finance would be distributed uh, and managed. Unfortunately, there have been a lot of governments um, have resisted uh, actually implementing that finance mechanism. Uh, In fact, it was off the agenda of COP summits until COP26 last year. So that was one of the main achievements of COP26 was to um, put in place the Uh, committees and bodies necessary for implementing loss and damage and that follow-up work is going to happen now in Egypt in COP27. Great. So are there any governments that have decided to commit to loss and damage off the back of this? One or two. Um, So uh, they are leaders. Denmark has uh, moved forward and has promised over 11 million to developing nations Uh, who have been severely affected by climate disasters. Scotland has also uh, stepped up to the plate and offered two million. Of course, these really are almost tokenistic um, funds, but the point of making these funds from Denmark and Scotland is to say we believe this needs to happen um, and turn to the rich nations and saying, look, we're doing what we can, but this needs to be properly funded structurally from an international level. Great. So COP27 is happening very soon, and we have loss and damage on the official agenda now. So are you feeling hopeful about the negotiations that are going to take place? In the long term, yes. Um, My hope goes beyond COP27. Um, It's always was going to be difficult to push this through at the speed that it needs to happen. We want, would like to see a loss and damage facility operating uh, in 2024. Um, uh, it's going to be really difficult to get things moving at that sort of um, uh, pace. So in the longer time term, I'm hopeful Um, As far as COP27 is concerned, what's going to be important is the degree to which governments are able to do any difficult business there, given the really difficult political situation and standoffs between some of the most powerful nations and blocs over Ukraine uh, and over China's uh, interests in its region. Yeah, great. The negotiations are going to be very interesting. Um, So if people listening to this podcast are feeling passionate about loss and damage and they'd like to get involved, what's something that people can do in the run-up to COP27? We need to pray for COP27. We need to pray for the uh, progressive governments. We need to pray for our own government. 
uh, as it attends COP27. More practically, we can write to our MPs and the Joint Public Issues team has got a letter, that's uh, a template that's ready to go uh, and you can find this at, if you, uh, on the loss and damage pages on the JPIT uh, website. There's also an action from Christian Aid, a petition uh, that's gaining traction, but it's really important for uh, our voices to be heard, so uh, it needs more traction, it needs more people st uh, supporting. In order to be able to overcome the inertia that we often find at a government level, and which is, I've already referred to, even more difficult in these uh, times of uh, political difficulty. It's civil society, I think, which are going to make the difference. Uh, for people speaking up all over the world from different walks of life, um, from faith groups uh, included, uh, saying to governments, you just need to make this happen because this is a matter of justice, this is a matter of the future, this is a matter of the well-being of our children and grandchildren. And that message can cut through. Uh, um, I've seen it happen. I've seen that through cut through some really difficult political negotiations. So uh, join with, with us um, and take action with your MP. Great. Thank you very much, Steve. So I hope this has helped you learn a bit more about loss and damage and encouraged you to get involved with some of the things Steve just mentioned. And thank you for listening to 10 Minutes On from the Joint Public Issues team. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do share it around. And you can find out more about JPIT and the work that we are doing on our website, jpit.uk. Thanks for listening. Bye.